The reason our industry struggles is because this story happens a lot. If there's anything that I can say is like, it's going to surprise us. You can structure an org chart differently. Like what matters is the cohesion and the outcome that you get as a team. On today's episode of The Engaging Marketeer, I am speaking with an SEO expert named Logan Bryant. Logan is from the United States and is joining me at a ridiculously early time for him and a suitable time for me because I'm selfish that way. So I'm going to be talking to Logan about how he does what he does, how he gets the sort of results that he gets, how he convinces uh, businesses that they need what he does, because that's not always an obvious thing for people to put their trust in SEO, particularly if they've been bitten before by somebody else who's not necessarily done a good job. And obviously, I'm also going to be talking to Logan about ChatGPT, because let's face it, you cannot have an SEO discussion uh, from somebody that does content-driven SEO without talking about ChatGPT. Your actual specialism within, within SEO is SEO testing, is that right? Uh, yes, I would, I would say that I'm, uh, it's almost like I've got two specialties in a sense, mm -hmm. because my, my background is mainly B2B. So like doing SEO for B2B SaaS companies and building programs as an in-house SEO for B2B SaaS companies. Right. So on the one hand, it's like, I'm a well-rounded content-driven SEO. And I know a lot of people say like um, the popular phrase these days is uh, content-led SEO, mm. right? We hear that a lot. I think it's a great term. I started to think about it more and I got a little bit more specific with it. I was like, I don't like the idea of led because the, the, the word led is a little bit passive voice for me. But when we're building a content pro program, we're driving it, mm. right? You, you have, it's an active thing that we're doing to build this content program. And so I thought, you know, what if I just call it content-driven SEO? So I might be the only person saying that. <laughs> it's a little thing that I have, but I like the idea of thinking my, of myself as a content-driven SEO professional yeah. for to be, be to be SaaS. Then as part of that, um, I like to test what content is working um, and what elements of the content is working because I just found that content in my mind is like the, the number one most powerful SEO lever that we have. And if we want to get better at it, we have to test and figure out what content works. So that's, that's the, the angle that I write about a lot is SEO testing, just because I noticed that not too many people are a doing it mm. and B talking about it. And I found a lot of value in my programs uh, with improving rankings and things like that with testing. Um, so yeah, whether you want to think of me as a special specialist with B2B SaaS or with SEO testing, I could go either way. Um, SEO testing is just a thing that I built into those B2B programs mm. that I find valuable and I think more people could do if they have the bandwidth and the resources and so forth yeah. to do it. So yeah, you might be the only person calling it content-driven SEO, or you might just be the first person. You know, everybody needs a trailblazer at some point. You know, you need to start these things for other people to follow. Yeah, I don't know if it'll catch on. It's it's not necessarily my intention. It's just more like I like to think of myself as as like I just like the the word better. 
I, I like it. I, I like it. Yeah. Rather than like having the content lead the program, we're leading the content. We're driving the content. Exactly. No, you're right. Content led is passive. Content driven. It, it puts the emphasis on you and and the content. And so yeah. with what what sort of processes do you use for testing? Because when when most SEOs do something, they tend to sort of experiment as they're doing it, and there's no real checking what's going to work until after they've done it and found out it's either worked or it, it hasn't worked. What are your, your processes for that? Well, that's the cool thing. In my mind, that is testing. So, you know, I may have actually spoken out of turn when I said not enough SEOs are testing because actually a lot of SEOs probably are testing. They're just not thinking of the, their work as testing. Hmm. Um, I started thinking about the, the word, I guess I'm getting really into um, uh, semantics here, but I started thinking about uh, the word optimization and like what our roles are. We're always talking about like, look, can you optimize this blog post? Can you optimize this article? Um, and optimization, the word implies that uh, whatever it is, whatever activity we're doing is going to make it better. Mm -hmm. It implies a certainty of the outcome. Uh, but in reality, a lot of the things that we do are tests, even if we're not thinking of them as tests, it's like, Hey, optimize this blog post or, Hey, optimize, uh, these, these, uh, meta tags or, um, whatever it might be. So we think of our, our work as always having a positive outcome, but it doesn't always happen. So, um, most of us, if, at least if you're, you know, worth your salt, you're going to be measuring your work mm. to some degree and that, that act of having a, a hypothesis of what might work in marketing, doing it and measuring it down the road, that's testing, but we call it optimization sometimes. And so, you know, and then if we go back to the, the other words, what uh, testing or experimentation, which I think is a cooler word sometimes to <laughs> use than testing makes you sound a little bit more legit, but um, so experimentation, if we think about that word, um, what is experimentation? Well, like, what do we do when we're kids? You know, we're experimenting with things. We're, we're touching the stove to see if it's hot. We're, mm. you know, playing with toys. We're, you know, the whole world is like this experiment and, and it's all driven by our curiosity. So, um, we, we are experimenting most of us, I think in our careers and in our, in our, um, in our work. So, I think actually everybody is SEO doing SEO testing, but we're not thinking of it as mm -hmm. SEO testing. And I don't think that it has to be a rigid thing. Like it can be, you know, you can do a very um, detailed and uh, almost scientific AB tests. You know, if you have programmatic page groups and you want to go and like do AB split testing with SEO and, you know, use the software and try to extract P values and all that kind of stuff. That's also experimentation and that's also testing, but it doesn't mean that those looser forms of playing around with things and trying things out, that it doesn't negate that there is an element of testing and experimentation involved in, in these other things, even though they're not measured to as high a standard mm. as you know, an AB split test would be. So, so when you're, you're you're doing a test, I mean, do you have 
essentially test website environments that you use this for. Presumably this isn't on, on client stuff you're looking at. You have your own setups. I have my own sites, but believe it or not, most of it's done on, you yeah. know, on uh, business websites. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not high risk testing mm. most of the time that I do, uh, especially with content. Most of the time, the tests that I run are, and, and the other thing is like, it depends on what, there's so many forms of testing. Um, so it kind of depends on what we're talking about with A-B testing. Mm. There's what, what came to mind when you talked about um, having your own website, your own like, call it a sandbox website or whatever. Um, uh, there's a form of SEO testing uh, called, um, I, I don't even know if there's a, an official name for it, but um, Kyle Roof talks about it a lot. It's like a, a very popular thing that he likes to talk about, which is um, uh, he, he like use it. He like t- create, creates a fake keyword. I guess it's called like a fake keyword test is what I'll call it for now. Yeah. Create a fake keyword and then do some warm, it's some text with it and, you know, put that into a, a place where nobody's searching just to see what Google responds to. That's a form of testing. But what I typically do, like, I think that kind of testing is the goal is usually more about, like your end goal is to understand the algorithm better hmm. and see what Google is actually doing in an environment where there's no competition and um, and it's really like, again, your end goal is just understanding Google. If you learn something about Google through those fake key- keyword experiments, um, then your test was a success. Whereas you're not driving traffic through those tests because it's not even on your site, you know, it's so the testing that I'm usually lean more into is performance related. Uh, Cause my goal with SEO tests is to drive traffic and rankings and, and mm-hmm. hopefully leads and, you know, bottom of funnel revenue and things like that. So, um, uh, but typically I start with like traffic and rankings because, you know, it's very difficult to measure ROI <laughs> or um or or lead pipeline or anything like that so um if traffic and rankings and and click-through rates are the goal uh for the the types of tests that i run then you want to run it on client websites or or if you're an in-house you want to run it on your business's website because a you're trying to drive performance b you're in positions where you can do it. Mm. Like you have to actually have the data there uh, to do it rather than like a sandbox website where there is no data. So yeah, that's uh, that's usually the um, the goal for the type of testing that I do most of my work in. Okay. And you, you mentioned in terms of obviously measuring the success is, is, is crucial because you have to measure everything for it to work. Um, is it typically rankings and traffic that you're measuring or are there other aspects that you're measuring as well? Typically it's rankings and traffic and click-through rates. Those are the three that I usually um, go to as leading indicators of success for the tests that I run. Yeah. Mm. And it, it sort of depends Uh, whichever 
it's it's so strange because my goals can sometimes my primary goal is a ranking sometimes it's traffic and to explain why let i'll just use title tests as an example it's the most common one people think about with seo testing it's definitely not the only thing you can test you can test other elements of the page um uh but titles is like the most simplistic way to think about seo testing so if you're doing a title test then um Let's say that your page is ranking, uh, I don't know, position 57, right? Um, your goal in that title test is not to try to get that page more traffic because you can't get more traffic until you're at least page one mm-hmm. or, or at least page two, I would say, um, but preferably page one. So if you're ranking 57 and you do and you change the title tag, then your goal is rankings. Whereas if you are ranking already ranking in position um, nine and you want to get to the top three and you do a title test, in that case, you might want to, you might actually get more value out of, yeah, you want still, you might still want to look at rankings like, hey, I'm in position nine and I want to get higher. Mm. But you also want to check your click through rate and your traffic. Um, I mean, typically, if you do rank higher, you're going to get better to click through rates and traffic. Or let's say that you have a, a page that's already page one. It's it, Maybe it's number one. And now you can't rank higher. So your goal is going to change from rankings to click-through rates or, or overall clicks. right? So the goal can change, but typically it's in that mix of you know the GSC data, rankings, clicks, to some extent impressions, although we obviously care less about impressions. Um, uh, from a performance standpoint, but they they can still be informative. So, mm. and of course, once you've got the the number one ranking and you get in the traffic, it then moves on to the conversions because you can have a page of copy that isn't converting compared to a page of copy that that is converting. That yes, um, if. Um, I'll credit Will Critchlow. He wrote a really interesting article about full funnel testing. Mm. Well, he, I think he wrote a, a few of them, but he talks about full funnel testing where where you do like SEO testing. There's like a matrix of like doing SEO tests and, you know, conversion rate optimization, like your actual, you know, uh, what RIP Google optimize now, but um your conversion rate optimization tests after they land there. So yeah, you can definitely switch from the SEO testing to the actual CRO or experimentation, like like web experimentation type of testing to improve conversion rates after they've landed. Mm. Um, and I do, uh, in B2B SaaS, that is something that I find uh, is a big part of my work is... I guess I'm sort of a quasi CRO specialist. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, you know, there are pure CRO experts out there, but CRO ends up falling in my lap as a B2B SaaS marketer because it is my job to drive leads. And if we don't have somebody dedicated to CRO, which is the case in most of the, the companies sizes that I work with, it does fall on me to do some actual CRO experimentation and, change you know that goal if you have the traffic now you do you know you do want to try to convert that traffic so mm. it's absolutely 
And, and, and to be honest, over the years I've, I've been involved in the industry, that that's often where most businesses fall down. They'll have somebody do SEO for them, and they'll con- the SEO will consider it. Well, it's my job to get them more traffic and more rankings. That's it, mm-hmm. and they'll get more traffic and they'll get more rankings, and that's the SEO's job done. But that doesn't necessarily mean the client is going to get more leads or get more sales, which means they don't get the return on the investment, which means they go around saying, well, the SEO didn't really work. I got lots of people to the website, but didn't get any increase in business. Is that something you've seen yourself as well? It's something that I've seen myself. Um, I think there's two sides to that uh, experience because on the one side you have the, you know, the client who says, Oh, I'm getting lots of traffic, but nobody's converting. And on the other side, I was just talking with, uh, um, I won't disclose the name of the company, but I was just recently talking with, um, this isn't a client of mine, but, uh, a company that, grew really, really well through organic. They don't do any paid. Um, it's, it's a SaaS company and all of their business is coming from organic and they don't even know where their leads are coming from. Like they're getting business. They could get more business of course, but they're, they're doing really well. Um, it's bootstrapped and it's just like, we just created a lot of top of funnel content and the strategy there for them, the reason it's working for them is because they've they've done so much organic content that their target audience just knows about them. And the goal with all of that top of funnel content is that they're getting their brand out there, their name out there. And then when a conversion takes place on the website, they don't even know what keyword they came in on. It's just that the, their customers know the brand because they've seen it so many times. And when that customer has that specific problem for that, uh, that they solve for, when, when that problem arises for the customer, it could be, you know, a couple of years down the line, even they think, oh, yeah, there's that one company. They know the name of the company and it's a direct conversion. They just, you know, convert on the brand and it happened through the content that they built, but there's no attribution for it. And that's that's something that I think is like also important if if you're in that situation where, you know, a client's like, well, we don't see the value in it. It's like, well, this isn't paid search. The value may come down the road, uh, especially if we're creating a lot of top of funnel content or middle of funnel content where you're, the value we're creating is, is exposure and, and brand exposure and getting yourself out there. So um, you do have to treat that a little bit differently, mm. uh, uh, in my opinion. So I guess the, the, that two sides <laughs> to the coin is um, helping make sure that they understand that. Um, but at the same time, we can drive bottom of funnel traffic. We can, I do put a lot of my time into bottom of funnel keywords in these SaaS programs that I build. And my goal is usually to start with the bottom of funnel and it does work. You can do SEO and you can add CRO to that program and you can focus on the bottom of the funnel if the goal is to drive lead sales, um, uh, product cart checkouts or, yeah. or, or whatever, you know, whatever conversion point you have on your website. So it can be done that, that actual kind of direct 
response type of SEO program can be built. But typically, we do still have to expect that a lot of what we're doing here is going to be top and middle of funnel. Even if we do have bottom of funnel stuff, that's not the only thing we can do. So I think there's probably just a gap in understanding with a lot of clients or Mm. uh, business owners that just don't understand the data or the way that web traffic works. Um, so it's hard for them to see the value sometimes. But there is value there, I would say. That's, that's an interesting point. You, you talked about attribution. Of course, that, that's always been a problem in our industry is where do you how do you attribute the actual sale to SEO? And I've heard before, and I, and I think I agree with it, it's one of those things I'm not sure, that SEO shouldn't really be considered marketing. It's brand awareness. Because if you're doing good SEO, people are seeing you. It's getting your brand out there. It shouldn't even come out of the marketing budget. And that's just something contentious I thought I'd throw out there. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a personal preference thing. I mean, whoever kind of came up with that, I think they have a point. Hmm. Um, I, I like it, but it is contentious. Yeah, for sure. I think they have a point. And I think that's just... In my mind, it's kind of like it's kind of like the same types of org org chart questions a lot of companies have when they're structuring their org chart. Should we put SEO on this team or that team? Should it be in under demand gen or it should should it be um, part of the branding team or something like that? So like you can you can structure an org chart differently. Like what matters is the cohesion and the outcome that you get as a team. So if you ask me. Whichever budget it comes from, I care more about, am I working for a team that's cohesive? Are we moving uh, in a positive direction with our data and with our, our, our company and our team and everything? And do my leaders value me and accept me and, and understand the value of SEO? At the end of the day, that's probably the most important thing in, in your career. Do, are you working for people who get what you're doing and are invested and and supportive of your work and that's sometimes hard to find but um i guess it's a roundabout way of me saying i think that person has a valid point i would still personally put um seo under marketing because even branding is marketing uh even if it is top of funnel like it's a it's a full funnel process so all of it is marketing to me um but you know if if you ha- if you're building your own team and you choose that you want to s- segment the two and mm-hmm. put it in a different mental category, that's okay. It's just a mental category. the The only purpose of those categories and those org, chart, uh, org charts is to drive progress. And if you can separate it out and put it under a different budget, but you're still driving progress, I've got no problem with that. Mm. Again, you you mentioned then about working for people and working with people that appreciate it and understand it. Obviously, that's important, whether you're working in in an environment where you're in-house or whether you're working with clients. You want to know that the people you're working with and you're trying to help get what you're doing, understand it and believe in it. How do you perhaps convince people who aren't so sure of the value of SEO and, and the power that it's got? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind for me is that you do have to pick your battles. Mm. And anytime somebody doesn't understand the value of something, you do have to be aware that there's always a possibility that your arguments or plan of uh, swaying them to the other side, making them a believer, 
you have to understand that that may not always happen. Um, not everybody's going to be a believer. Uh, not everybody's going to buy in. Not everybody's, it's not going to click for everybody. Uh, even if you're a really persuasive, you know, uh, communicator, even if you've got the data behind your uh, proposal for that person or or whatever it is, to, you're like, I've got all the data to back me up and I've been in that situation. It is so frustrating, <laughs> especially as an in-house SEO where it's like you have to convince your internal team who has all the decision-making power. Mm. And you're like, I'm seeing all this great opportunity. I know we could drive business if we do this. And, and you get really, really excited uh, and then really disappointed when it doesn't go anywhere. So um, you could be the most persuasive person, but not everybody's going to be uh, swayed. So that, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Now, what your job is, is to do the bring forward the best proposal and the best arguments and the best information that you possibly can to help the business. And then it's up to them if they, if they bite on that. Uh, but there's going to also be a lot of people who are kind of, maybe they're on the fence. They're like, I think it might work. I don't know if it'll work. Or maybe they're, they're a naysayer, but they're like a mild naysayer. Like, yeah, I heard my buddy, you know, my, my buddy's company hired an SEO agency and they did a crap job. So I don't really believe in SEO, mm. but they haven't totally closed their mind off to it. They're like, you know, it's just an anecdotal thing that, that's causing them to. So if you can pinpoint why they're, um, you know, why they're a naysayer or why they're not bought in, uh, that's the first thing that you got to do is pinpoint why is it? Because it might just be something that you can easily overcome. And then the second thing is figure out how to overcome it. Um, so a lot of people can be swayed, um, but we also have to, to keep in mind that it's not, we shouldn't feel bad if we fail to persuade somebody. And that's why I kind of led with that is because there are some people who just, not everybody has an open mind. Yeah. Uh, and if that if you've done your best and and it fails, it may be that person's fault and and not so much your fault as an SEO. You shouldn't feel like you had a shortcoming. You might just be talking to the wrong people. And now, maybe you need to go find other people who are the right people to talk to. Mm. I mean, you, you said there in your example that somebody saying that their buddy's company had hired an SEO did a crap job. That's something we see a lot of where genuinely people have used someone for SEO and they have done a terrible job. Why do you think our industry has such a problem with either agencies or freelancers not doing a good job or potentially clients not understanding that, in fact, they have done a good job, they just don't appreciate it? But the SEO industry does have a problem with perception, with businesses being very suspicious of people offering to do SEO and basically paying them to do it with, with the results they get. Why do you think that that is? Yeah, I think there's a simple answer and then there's all a whole uh, Pandora's <laughs> box of other like reasons that uh, would be fun to go into, but I'm not sure we will. Um, maybe a few, but so the, the simple reason is because it happens. I mean, the, the simple answer to that is because uh, in our industry, there are a lot of people who 
uh, get sold on SEO, whether they were seeking it themselves or as an inbound kind of lead or whether it was like a, an SEO company that reached out to them without bound and, and sold them on it. Uh, and, you know, some SEO companies do promise the world and aren't able to deliver because they're more focused on sales than they are uh, performance or maybe they don't have the talent to perform um uh but but they're trying to feed themselves and their families and so they're focused on sales and um so or, uh there's 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 SEO agencies that don't do a great job doesn't mean SEO doesn't work um certainly we've seen it work there's plenty of case studies out there for us to know that SEO works but you do need a certain level of talent expertise resources it's SEO is kind of like a a, a recipe and it's a very delicate recipe uh, I, I can't think of like a good example but i'm trying to think of like if there's a food you know there's certain cakes that you bake yeah. and like some of them if, if you put like like um a half a tea- tablespoon of salt instead of a full tablespoon or something like that or vice versa then the whole cake collapses mm. i think seo is kind of like that like you need all the ingredients for SEO to work. And if one of them's missing, it could be the client's fault that that ingredient is missing. It could be the agency's fault. So the reasons for why this happens in our industry that people uh, uh, invest in SEO and don't uh, get their, uh, their money's worth, there's a lot of reasons. And that's like the Pandora's box of reasons why that happens. But at the end of the day, the simple answer is that the reason our industry struggles is because this story happens a lot. Um, there are, are a lot of times when people invest and don't get the return. So, um, but there's a lot of times when they do, uh, yeah. when it's done right, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Like that's what I love. about <laughs> That's what I love about finding the right teams and companies that are ready and have the ingredients. And then when those ingredients come together, you have an amazing cake. So SEO does work. Like it's definitely not a scam in general. It's just, um, it's marketing. There's, there's so many components that have to go into it. It's almost like picking stocks. I sometimes think of myself as like a, almost like a financial advisor, like sometimes, cause like when you go to financial advisors, there's like, they're always really careful. Like, Hey, we're not going to, we can't tell you which stocks are going to go up and go down. It's like, nobody can predict the market. And I think it's the same in SEO. We're in marketing. We can't predict everything. If everything is going to work, Mm -hmm. but what we can do is we can, um, become the best we can and, um, and, and try to get all of those ingredients together, uh, to make it work. And it does work a lot. So it's like, you know, companies go up, they go down. It's kind of, I guess, a better way of thinking of it is like, my buddy started a business. It failed. He lost money. Business doesn't work. Mm. You should never start a company. I think it's, it's, it's the same conundrum. Like, some businesses have all the right ingredients and the recipe and, and it, it comes together and they grow and they become unicorns. Some businesses fall through the floor. Uh, same thing with SEO. That's a really good analogy, actually. 
Because we, we, a lot of the time, we when we're speaking to potential clients, we we hear this same question: What guarantees can you give that I'm going to get the results? And there are companies out there that will guarantee them the results, but they're not really guaranteeing it. They're just saying they're guaranteeing it. And we and have, they're all, that's always the worst SEO agency. Exactly. It's like the red flag of it is. Yeah, we guarantee you number one rankings. You can't do that. You can't do that. And we, we, we had this conversation just last week where we, we had to explain that you, an SEO company cannot guarantee this. Anyone that's offering you a guarantee of this, it, it, they're making it up. And in fact, Google warns against people offering guarantees about this because you cannot guarantee it. Your analogy about the stock market and the financial advisor, that, that fits perfectly because a financial advisor cannot legally guarantee you returns yes invest with me and i guarantee you'll make 150 percent return on investment because that's right. unethical they would be in a lot of trouble for doing that yet yeah in the same way that if, if a financial advisor said that that would be a major red flag yeah same thing with it with our industry mm. because we know there's so much variability the honest the honest you know people are going to say look um this is what i think we could get Maybe we can give you projections or ranges or forecasts of what we think we can do, but they always, that's why we say it depends so often because, <laughs> because we, if you're, if you're an honest person, yeah. you're not going to come to people and try to scam them and say, Hey, like I can guarantee you first page rankings and all this, you know, you know, the, the outcomes and just saying what they want to hear so that they give you their money. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that's, I, I would say that's the avoidance of guarantees is is a positive sign most of the time. Doesn't it still doesn't mean that that's going to be a good SEO agency, but it does mean that they're not necessarily trying to swindle you out of yeah that money. So yeah. Um, one 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 question I wanted to ask is the the difference between working in house and working as a an agency or freelancer. Because I, I when I first started, I worked in house. I worked in house as the um, digital marketing team for uh, a company called Game in the UK. You'd know them in America as Electronics Boutique. I don't know if they're still going in the US, Electronics Boutique, video game store. I actually that, that looked, that. but I'm not, possibly not a huge video gamer. So I, I wasn't into video gamers, to be honest with you. Um, they, they, they really, they've survived a lot longer than I think possibly they should have because obviously everybody's downloading games now. And yeah. we suspected it was going that way back 20 years ago, but they didn't really adapt to it. But working in-house, I found it more difficult because you're not surrounded necessarily by other people doing what you do. You're the one person who does what you do, or it's a very small team. How do you think that, com- that, that varies, the differences between working in-house and working as a, as a freelancer or working with an agency? And how do you keep on top of developments and updates within... What is a, let's face it, probably the fastest moving industry in the world with Google changing things every few seconds? Um, there are things that are more difficult in-house. Um, but I've had good and bad experiences working in-house. Uh, and going back to the recipe analogy, it's like I've had, I've, I've joined teams that just were not ready. And when I joined them, in hindsight, I didn't do a good job of making sure they were ready when I joined that team. Mm-hmm. 
So you can join a team as an in-house SEO and spend a year or multiple years of your life um, going nowhere and spinning your wheels because you're just on the wrong team. And vetting, when you're working in-house, vetting the company that you join is like the most important thing because if you join a company that doesn't have the right ingredients or doesn't have the buy-in, then... And some companies are happy to keep you. Like they're they're they have enough profits. They 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 think of SEO as like we checked the box. We need an SEO guy, so we'll put them there. And even if you're not getting results, some companies are still comfortable with you not getting results. And so you can stay there, and you can spin your wheels, and you can try to get results and fight a lot of uphill battles. But if once I once I went through those lessons and I joined companies that weren't ready and saw why, like I had to learn the lessons for why they weren't ready or, or what things to look for to join a company that is ready. Then I knew what questions to ask in the interviews and I, I could figure out, okay, now I need to vet where I go better. And, um, when, when, um, I guess to the recipe analogy, when I joined Tapalti, that was like that was like the best recipe I could ask for as an in-house SEO. So that was not difficult. Like to answer your question about like difficult experiences, was it difficult in, in the sense of like did I, I had to work hard? I, yeah, I had to work hard, but it wasn't difficult in the sense of like the reason it wasn't difficult and it was actually on the enjoyable side and the exciting side of in-house SEO was because you, I had the right ingredients, I had um, resources, buy-in. Um, I had a playground. It became an SEO playground at Tavalti mm. because things were working and it was exciting and we, we saw a lot of success. So when it's working, it's not, it doesn't feel that difficult other than you're still working hard. Um, but it, there's enough excitement in there that I enjoyed my job. Um, but back to, so with between agency though, and I guess to your point, like things are changing quickly. You're not always surrounded by other people. You have to be the expert. It works better when you become the expert first. Like I wouldn't recommend anybody be an in-house SEO as their first SEO job. Hmm. You're going to be so lost. You're not going to have those people to, to feed off of those mentors and colleagues surrounding you and making you better at your job. Agencies are an amazing place for young talent to, uh, get immersed with other people and mingle and, and soak in information, uh, keep on top of trends and all that kind of stuff, like you mentioned. Um, but once I learned most of the things that I needed, and there's still a lot I got to learn, but once I learned most of the things that I needed, I started, it's like, even though there's a lot of changes, at the end of the day, content is still what drives most of the performance. That's not to undervalue um, technical SEO or um, or outreach and, and kind of um, off-page SEO. Those things still drive a lot of performance. But as an in-house SEO, especially in B2B SaaS, now I should caveat, technical SEO can be really powerful for certain companies that are more like if they're building single-page applications or doing a programmatic strategy or like custom CMS work. So all of that stuff is important. But when we're talking about what's going to drive traffic through the funnel down to um, a conversion, um, you have to do con like content is the thing. Uh, so 
once I understood how to prioritize which activities make the most impact, then those things don't change as rapidly. So if you can build the processes and know which processes and which resources you need and know how to, how to maneuver as an in-house SEO, I don't really, sometimes I miss working with other SEOs, but I don't really feel like I'm not going to be successful because even if things change, most likely if I do good with the content, we're still going to be all right. So I don't have to be, I, I think sometimes we're just too reactive, mm. quite honestly. And I think that's actually a downfall that can happen if you are in the agency world or if you're, because so many things have to be reactive as an agency. Like that's how you live in reaction mode. Client needs something. They have a question. Yeah. You, you have to do that. Right. So there's nothing wrong with being reactive in those uh, situations, but, um, but it's, it's definitely a different mode of operating and a different way of thinking. And I don't, I don't, there's value to both. I don't feel like I'm unsupported just because I've been in the, in, in my career long enough to know how to still drive things, even if there's minor changes like Yandex comes out. Uh, is it going to change my program? Am I going to uh, overhaul my entire content development process? No. Um, is it interesting? Yeah. It's good to know about these updates. Um, can we learn things? Absolutely. From these kinds of things. Uh, but what drives performance is really what I care about most. And those things, it's almost like first principles. They don't always change that rapidly. Mm. So, so speak, speaking of Yandex, obviously that's one of the most exciting things I think that's, that's happened in our industry for a couple of years, I'd have thought. Um, what, when you, you saw that, was there anything in there that you thought, Oh, I didn't realize that, or that's really interesting. Anything piqued your interest in that? Um, What was it? The I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, there was the there was one. I'm trying to remember. Um, it was like now I'm trying to remember what 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 it was. <laughs> I'll have to think about it and get back. Um, it was the it was something about like it was one of the ranking factors that I was like, really? That's a ranking factor? I can't remember. There was what there was one that I saw that I thought. That was weird, but I think I just misunderstood it, which was the, was it the negative connotations in content or something along those lines? Um, pessimistic content, I think it was. Oh, I, I saw that and I was like, kind of surprised. But when I thought about it, I was like, oh, that actually kind of makes sense. Hmm. You know, like content, when you're reading a piece of content, it's like, it's almost like meeting somebody and if you have a pessimistic outlook to life and you meet a friend and they're like <laughs> always complaining about how bad their day was or what yeah. happened to them 10 years ago, then you're, then it's like, it's not a pleasant experience. Yeah. You're not going to so want to, not going to want to run into them again. So yeah. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, Oh, that actually kind of makes sense. But on the other hand, sometimes some topics are inherently pessimistic. So mm -hmm. how do you account for that? Like if you're talking about uh, human sex trafficking, it's not like you can put a positive spin on that, <laughs> that kind of a, um, topic. So, I mean, as if they can account for those kinds of situations, but but also 
do, I guess, encourage people to um, use positive language in the appropriate situations, it does make sense to me. I, I don't want to read an article that's uh, going to be too pessimistic. Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, so ov- over the years, SEOs changed quite a bit. There have been a few things that have, that have come out that have caused waves in the in the SEO world. What do you think, in your opinion, has been the biggest change, say, over the past 10 years that you've seen? Easily, chat GPT. I know everybody's talking <laughs> about it, but I can't, I can't think of anything else. We've got a chat GPT swear jar in this office. Every time somebody mentions it, put a pound in. <laughs> I know it's like it's so tiring hearing about it over and over again but at the same time it's like how can you not you know it's like Mm. it's like everybody compares it to when the internet came out and it's like i think that's a good analogy like it is going to change not just our industry but our world i believe um how it will change it i'm not here i don't care to speculate but i do think it's like the biggest change uh that has happened in the last 10 years for sure. And, and as you're in content driven SEO, not content led, how do you think it's going to affect you? And, and is it a risk? This is where the speculation comes in. I, the way that I think about speculation, I, I like to compare it to um, when back when um, like Siri first came out. I don't think this is the same because I think this is more powerful than when Siri first came out. But if we look back to when Siri first came out and the entire SEO industry was like, um, you know, content SEO isn't going to work. It's all going to move to voice. Mm. And there was a lot of like naysayers about like, hey, now how do you optimize for voice search? And it's like, first of all, like we're we're really jumping the gun on this. Like. (laughs) Like voice search came out last week, like Siri came out last week, and now everybody's got suddenly an expert on how to optimize for voice search. We don't even know what voice search will look like or if it will develop. And in hindsight, yeah, it's there, but it's not like a part of SEO. There's not really a way to optimize for voice search. Sure, you could make a podcast and and or you could, you know, but it's not like doing voice search is like basically has almost zero impact on my job it's possible some people are asking questions to siri that maybe they should they would have asked google if it weren't there so it impacts my job from a marketing perspective or from a share of voice perspective but not from a tactical perspective in any way uh so that's where i'm like with chat gpt i have no idea where this thing's going we have some idea i should say i shouldn't Mm. say no idea but we have some idea where it's going, but I, it's going to surprise us if there's anything that I can say is like, it's going to surprise us. And I don't know how it's going to surprise us. I don't know which direction this train is going to go. Um, so, but I guess, I don't know if that answered the question, but I think right now I'm using ChatGPT mostly for content revamps. What I realized is that like when I'm always doing new content and I always want that new content to be well thought out, um, like by well thought out, it means 
it needs proper attention given to the content brief, the SERP analysis, the the um, search intent understanding before you write it. And, and you can get better output sometimes by doing that and working with a writer uh, to create better content that's actually competitive for the top three, mm. right? There's a difference between content that reads like a human, which is what chat GPT does, and content that's worthy of a top three spot. So we, I still think we can do a better job in most cases uh, working with an actual writer if we're really competing for the, a top three position. Um, but when we're doing that, I found the, a u- great use case for ChatGPT because a lot of sites have a lot of articles that are just bad, outdated, too thin, whatever it might be, and there's no resources for that your writer is already working on new content to, to compete. So in those cases, I'm like, okay, our writer's tied up. I have ChatGPT. It's a great place. If your content is so bad that like ChatGPT can clearly do a better job, I think it's great to go and use it and um, uh, and apply it to some of the content, the, the content updating that needs to be done while you still try to make your new content as high quality as you possibly can. So that's my current, that's my current use case for it. What will the future use cases be? I have no idea. <laughs> you see, I, I, I worry that, well, it should be used to help people with their content, to provide ideas for your content, to, 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 to get over the mind block. I worry, though, that people are going to use it to say, right, I've got my, my accountant's business website. I need a hundred blogs on this website about accounting services, so I'll get ChatGPT to do it, and it'll do it in five minutes, and I'll just paste them all on there. And mm-hmm. everyone's going to be doing that, and we're just going to get a huge swathe of extremely similar, extremely bland content that's just going to get pumped out onto the internet purely for Google, that Google is eventually going to go, no, and wipe the whole lot out again. And that, that's what I worry, that from a content marketing perspective, we're just going to get a lot of bland stuff put out there very quickly in huge volumes. It's just going to fill up the, the space and then just disappear just as quickly. That's my fear for it. I definitely agree with that one. Um, oh, I was hoping you were going to tell me, no, don't worry, it's not going to happen. No, I, I, I think people will use it and already are, and... Even before chat GPT, people were doing that with, with the earlier versions of AI content, right? Like <clears throat> Jasper. Yeah. Jasper or, um, copy. What is it? Copy.ai was another one. There's a few others. That's not, and again, I'm not, I also, I'm not like knocking these hmm. solutions. They, they have a purpose. Uh, but, uh, the concern isn't, isn't necessarily, are you using AI content or anything? It's more, are you just, you know, creating an insane, like you said, creating an insane amount of content that's really not additive and does very little, but I guess expand Google's need to buy more servers (laughs) because of all the content that's going to be out there. I don't know, but um, yeah, so I think that, I think that will happen and uh, and already is, Mm. Uh, but but like I said, that's why there's a whole difference between competitive content worthy of a top three position and content that's just easy to create. 
mm. um, creates a lot of problems for for search. Uh, by problems, I don't necessarily mean bad problems, but creates a lot of problems of like how does Google how do how does Google um, reward better content? Um, I don't I, I don't I mean there's just so many con so many um, implications that it has. We could go one by one with each, but probably won't have time. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, I don't know what's going to happen, I guess, is what, what my thing, but I do think that's probably going to happen. I think that's mm-hmm. a, I, th- I think equally with using it that it's, it's already happening. Yeah. It is, yeah. Equally with the, the, the problems that it creates, I think it, it will create opportunities as well for people creating content the right way because it will stand out amongst all the the dross of everything else and we we use a lot of freelance writers and we get applications for freelance writers on a regular basis since chat gpt the applications have gone up something like 400 500% and it's people thinking that they can produce content and get paid for it just by posting a brief straight into chat gpt and copy pasting what comes out of it I see. So we've had to be a lot more diligent on the applications we receive on who is essentially just using AI to try and pull a fast one and get paid for not doing any work. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I I haven't had to, because I'm not an agency, that hasn't become a problem for me yet, but absolutely. I think that's a problem for our industry. Uh, We're... It's already a thing that people can just go do and um, call themselves a freelance writer and uh, be super efficient, cranking out you know two hundred articles a day with various companies as their freelance writer, uh, just making a big hustle out of it. So, yeah, because of yeah. course the, the the grammar is perfect, the spelling is perfect. Mm-hmm. You can't fault it. But that's that's one of the giveaways. In fact, it's too perfect. Even the best writers will make typos. But ChatGPT won't. So you can identify if you've got a 500-word article that's absolutely flawless and it's done by somebody who wants to get paid a few bucks for writing the article. Chances are it wasn't written by a human. Yeah. And there's I've seen a few AI checkers out there. I haven't had to use them yet. We've, but... u- we've used them. <laughs> yeah. So They're like... good. They're good. But it... But it's got to still be a, a huge pain. To, it's like now we have this extra step yeah. of like, okay, they, when exactly. a piece of content comes in, now we have to use an AI checker every time, where in the past you just didn't have to have that extra step. Well, well, inter- interestingly, and I hope I'm not giving stuff away to people who want to try and pull fast ones here, it's come back down to what you said right at the beginning about content-led SEO being passive and content-driven SEO as being What's the opposite of passive? Active. Active. Act, that's the word. Thank you. Active. A lot of AI content is passive by nature. It's just how it appears to be structured. So they won't mm-hmm. say anything definitive. They'll say things like, lots of people say this is the case, yeah. but other people yeah. say this is the case. Passive mm-hmm. content. So that's w- another one of the ways you can tell. Totally. I think using ChatGPT enough, yourself you do pick up on patterns especially when you put something controversial in there and it's like it just refuses to answer any controversy you know yeah. it's like 
So there's, and you see certain language patterns that it does repeat. Uh, so I, yeah, I've, I've noticed sometimes it speaks in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we got a lot of these applications through at the same time and we could see, I think it was like three or four of them came through back to back. And because they're given the same sample brief to test the writing skills, the final paragraph started exactly the same way in all four of them. Mm, yeah. That's a heck of a coincidence. But maybe a few, like, a few uh, word changes, but still it's, <laughs> it's like the same, it's the same paragraph just written slightly differently in each one. And you're like, okay, this looks like ChatGPT wrote it. Exactly. Yeah. The first six words, I think, of the pa- last paragraph were identical. It's like, mm. obviously, obviously yeah. these four individual people who all live in different parts of the world and have never met have come up mm. with this exact same six word sentence at the end of the paragraph, at the f- f- beginning of the last paragraph. Yeah. Yeah. Giveaway sign. Totally. I see that. <laughs> right. Amazingly, we're out of time. We're, awesome. Well, we're out of time. So as, as, as a final thing, um, if, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if they want to chat to you about SEO testing or, or about, about anything to do with SEO, or if they want to have you on a podcast or have you do, do testing for them, do work for them, what's the best way somebody can get in touch with you? Uh, there's, I would say the first way, there's my website, loganbryant.com. Um, there's on my Twitter handle, Logan's Notions, at Logan's Notions, if they're on Twitter. Um, I do a lot more on LinkedIn than Twitter personally, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, probably just a search for my name. Hmm. Luckily I have, I'm not John Smith, so I have a <laughs> name that's easy to find. So Logan yeah. Bryant. So if you connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, um, or through my website, uh, you can reach me pretty easily. Excellent. I will put all of those links below the podcast. So anybody watching this on YouTube or listening on iTunes or Spotify in the description, you'll find all of those links for Logan. If you want to get in touch with Logan. So thank you very much, Logan. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I yeah, feel like I've learned more speaking to you now. Oh, I, I hope so. I mean, I creating value is what it's all about. So hopefully that was helpful for people. And um, yeah, encourage people. I, I want to encourage people to do more testing or, or at least think of what they already do as testing mm. uh, and improve their testing uh, abilities. So it's exciting to me and I appreciate you having me on. Excellent. Thank you very much.